It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you and thrilled to be on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. and streaming on the Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's doing well. Thanks to Harry Ruiz, who stepped in for me yesterday. Greatly appreciated that. This is clearly the biggest week of the year for me as an MC. Get a chance to MC events. I was with the Bolitnikoff Sunday, Monday. Coaches versus cancer yesterday, which is always fulfilling. And then tomorrow morning at the crack of dawn, I fly to Chicago to MC Gridiron Greats for Coach Mike Ditka, which is a really big event in downtown Chicago with a lot of Hall of Famers, a fun event. We raise a lot of money. So I do that Thursday, Friday, and then I'll be back on the air Monday. So three events this week that have been a part of my career for a really long time. So thanks for the flexibility here. Thanks for Harry stepping in. Thanks to Q. And I'll uh, be back next week, and we'll get back into our grid and our schedule and everything that's happening out there in Raiderland and in all the other sports that we cover here. Because, again, I don't do Raiders every day in the offseason. No need to. We got Steph Curry. I got Luka Doncic. I got Tiger Woods playing tomorrow. We give you Raiders, and we do it the right way when we have something big to talk about. I got a ton to talk about today. We also have a couple of guests on that I'll tell you about. Uh, Lionel Washington, former cornerback of the Raiders, also a coach. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. Albert Hall of Hall Pass Media, uh, one of the founders of NBA Summer League. As NBA Summer League's here, and we play a big role with that. So we'll talk to them. And George Carl, the Hall of Fame coach, who's going into the Hall of Fame. A lot of our Bay Area listeners love George Carl for his time with the Warriors. He's getting into the Hall of Fame. And we'll get some opinions on him with the playoffs. So I want to get into the schedule because the last time I talked to you, I was on the air when the schedule was released. I got the schedule before the end of the show. I wasn't going to leak it. There was no leakage tied to me at all. And I saw the schedule and I was concerned. I was concerned with the schedule because I think it's really hard, but I knew that going in. And then when I saw the schedule, I knew it was going to be difficult because Vegas Las Vegas, the bookmakers who keep, keep all the lights on and build these multi-billion dollar casinos have the Raiders win total at eight and a half. They don't think they can win nine or barely nine. And then I'm a season ticket holder. So I'm invested in this thing. I work for the team and I got a couple other jobs, but I'm paying a lot of money, a lot of money, which I think is worth it for season tickets. And I see you at the game. I see you at the torch. I see you at my seats, depending where are you. So I looked at the schedule, and I wanted to dive into that today. So I'm worked up on the schedule. I wish I was on the day after, so all of that intensity was there. I have to build it up again today, but hopefully you match my energy. And what I'd like you to contribute today is your one takeaway with the schedule. One takeaway, you can call in with the team record now that you know where the games are at. What you don't like about the schedule, lack of primetime games is what I'm about to lead with in a minute and where the bye week is, whatever it is. I know it's been a big topic on this channel since I've been off the last couple of days, but this is my show, and I want to hear it from you inside the Raider Nation. 
So if you want to get in the rotation, do it now, 702-365-9200. Preseason schedule is firm, and the Raiders put that out. You can go look at that at Raiders.com. We all knew that the Raiders were going to play August 4th. That is in Canton, Ohio, in the Hall of Fame game. And there's good news and bad news with that. First, the bad news is they play an extra preseason game. The good news is Josh McDaniels can work with the coaches and the team to get the playbook in. They're not going to show a lot in the preseason, but the verbiage in and to get everybody comfortable traveling. And they get a head start on the season with a week early head start. And they're playing in Canton. So a lot of that might have to do with the early bye week because the season starts sooner because the Raiders are playing the Jaguars on August 4th. That's Cliff Branch weekend there. And from what I'm hearing, and I only tell you the truth, I'm hearing there is a big turnout lined up in Canton for Cliff. Mark Davis's best friend was on three Super Bowl teams spanning two decades, and Cliff had to wait this long. So that's going to be a good week weekend. We're going to spend a lot of time in Canton. I'm sure I'll go out uh, before this for the game, and I'll be there for the ceremony. So it's going to be a several days out in Canton as we kick off August. Then the Raiders play Minnesota at home. The first preseason game at home, that's August 14th, 125. Fine with that. But then the next thing that's weird is they're playing at the Dolphins on August 20th. So that's big travel, which normally you don't do. Traveling all the way to Miami to go play a preseason game. I mean, why not you know, play in the Bay Area against the Niners? Why not? The Niners are on the schedule. We know, but the Raiders are playing the Jaguars who are on the schedule. And the season game, which is at home, is against the Patriots, who the Raiders play their only primetime game against. And that's the last preseason game, which will be preseason game number four for the Raiders, preseason game number three for New England. So that's a home game, preseason game. You know what I say about those games. Bring kids. If you're going to sell your tickets, do whatever you do. You do what you do. I do what I do. But, you know, that's a good game to bring kids and say, hey, you can see the Patriot game, and that could be a lot of fun. So we go through that, and nothing really jumps out at me other than the fact that they're screwing the Raiders by sending them to Miami for a preseason game, which is not necessary. Explain that to me, why you have to go to South Beach and fly across the country. It's a long flight to play a preseason game. So let's put that beside us now and get into the regular season. So a couple of takeaways as we're brought to you by PTs. Good to be back for the best happy hour in town. Five to seven, midnight to do. Go have a Modelo with my friends over at PTs. They fuel the monologue as we get going. Schedule opens up at the Chargers. All right, that's a Raider home game. That's a Raider home game. The Chargers are instilling a new roster led by Khalil Mack. Uh, It's the first game of the year. Justin Herbert's not going to play in the preseason. I'm good with that on the road. Get that game out of the way. Get it out of the way, and it's at the Chargers and SoFi, which is a Raiders home game. Charger fans are already crying, complaining, selling their tickets. They want no part of that game. Charger fans don't want to go. They don't want to be mocked. They don't want to deal with the parking lot. They don't want to be there. And there aren't many Charger fans to begin with. It's all a ruse. There's not many of them. What are there, 20,000 fans? There are. There's not many fans. They're trying to give away tickets, sell tickets in that market. The Raider fans will gobble every ticket up. Any Charger fan that puts that ticket on StubHub, secondary market, vivid seats, gone. To a Raider fan from Long Beach, Tijuana, Pacific Beach, 
all the way to Redondo Beach, wherever. Raider Nation owns that game. Doesn't mean they're going to win. It's a tough opponent, but I have no complaints about that. Home opener against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, a week ago, we knew that DeAndre Hopkins would be suspended. I came on this broadcast and said, well, you'd like to get him early. You don't have to guard DeAndre Hopkins in that game. He's suspended for six. And that's not a strength of the Raiders. It hasn't been for a while guarding elite wide receivers. Casey Hayward did a nice job. And from time to time, they slow someone down. But I think that's a benefit to the Raiders. Home opener against Arizona at a conference. And the Raiders have an opportunity to win that game. Arizona was the first team to 10 wins last year. They were very good. They have Kyler Murray. Uh, but they don't have Chandler Jones, and DeAndre Hopkins won't play in that game. I love that game for a home opener. I love it. So no complaints there on the Arizona game as they open up there. But then they put the Raiders on the road again. First two out of three on the road in a hostile environment with a team that's clearly been better than the Las Vegas Raiders the last couple of years. Tennessee Titans have been in the playoffs a lot. They lose A.J. Brown who's a really good wide receiver, which will benefit the Raiders. And their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, in my opinion, might not be the starter. I think he will, but he might not because there's a lot of adversity there because he doesn't want to mentor Malik Willis. That's the quarterback that they took out of Liberty. That, to me, is going to be a massive road trip game. That's the one a lot of people should circle. I'll get to New Orleans, but that's a good one. Nashville's a party town. The weather's going to be great. September 25th, it'll be warm. It'll be an outdoor game. Fans should go to that game. I'm recommending highly you go to that game because Raider fans need to be there, and the Raiders are going to need you. That's a tough game as Tennessee's been in the playoffs a number of years. Then week four, the Raiders come home to take on the Denver Broncos, their second home game of the year. Uh, That is a 125 late start in that window. You know the story by now, Russell Wilson. We'll know a lot about Denver by that game. We will. We'll know if Denver's 2-1, and 3-0. and oh. We'll know if Russell Wilson has got an early MVP season going. We'll know a lot about that team, but you got to play them. I have no problem in that game. And then week five at Kansas City, which really is a brutal game. Brutal game. It's Monday night football in Kansas City. Why that game isn't Monday night football in Las Vegas I don't know, but Kansas City deserves it. They've been not better. They've been much better than the Raiders the last couple of years. So this was the first time I looked at the schedule and said to myself, okay, here we go. The league is not doing us any favors. First three out of five are on the road against some pretty damn good opponents. So the first part of the schedule is a beast. I'm not saying that the Raiders can come out of this three and two, two and three, Whatever you think the schedule is going to be there. But as I talked to one of the greatest Raider fans of all time today, Raider Mort, we often talk before the show. I said, Mort, what do you think about the schedule? And he said, it's a coin flip. He said, it's a coin flip uh, because these games are hard. And they're hard early. And the Raiders better be ready to play after that long preseason because it starts early with the Hall of Fame game. So let me pause there for a second. The first five games are critical. Because the back end of the schedule has the games you want to go to with the playoffs on the line. If the Raiders don't survive the early part of the schedule, they'll be digging out of a hole early. Which I'm not saying they can't dig out of, nor am I saying they're going to start off slow. 
but there are coin flip games there where the Raiders are underdogs right out of the gate. So the schedule isn't easy. I mean, it could have opened up with the Texans at home. Could have thrown the Jaguars in it, you know, on the road. That would have been an easier start to the schedule. No breaks here. No breaks here for the Raiders. League office in New York saying you hosted the draft. You're a great city. You're making all of us other owners money. You're doing everything for us with the league here. And we got nothing for you out of the gate. We are going to make you go on a death march out of the gate. And then we're going to give you an early bye week. How about that? Raiders don't want a bye week week six. No one's going to admit to that. You're going to get an early bye week because the preseason's longer. So the Raiders have to navigate the early part of the schedule. Three and two would be a great scenario, right? Four and one would be incredible. They're not going five and oh. This is a tough schedule. So that's where, that's where I'm starting off the show today. First chunk is not easy. But nothing's ever easy for the Raiders when the schedule comes out. Uh, bye week comes in and then coming out of the bye week, Raiders have the Houston Texans at home. Must win. Should be a win. They shouldn't have a problem winning that, winning that game with all the players that they brought in. Then they go to New Orleans. And I've made notes here. New Orleans is in the news today because Drew Brees is finding out he's not a broadcaster. Big story. Drew Brees was embarrassing when he did the Raider playoff game with Mike Tirico to the fact that he's been demoted. And it's a huge story because everybody else is getting promoted. Right, Tom Brady's not even a broadcaster yet, and they're giving him 375 Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. Aikman got more money to go to ESPN. Kirk Herbstreet got promoted. He's doing college and Amazon. Al Michaels went from NBC to Amazon. Drew Brees got his chance last year. He was no good. Nice guy, just wasn't a good broadcaster. And he claims he wants to do games more than be a studio analyst. So there is a big story down in New Orleans that he wants to potentially come out of retirement. Uh, Dennis Allen, the head coach, kind of said, he said that in jest. But it's out there, I think, for a reason. Because Drew Brees is nervous that he doesn't have a broadcasting career in front of him because he's vanilla as vanilla ice cream. And no one's looking for that right now. Oh, also New Orleans doesn't have Sean Payton, who's a superior coach. They have Dennis Allen, who's a defensive coach. And their quarterback situation with Jameis Winston, the Raiders could win that game. Uh, that's the Halloween game where I think most Raider fans are looking for tickets and most Raider fans want to go. That won't be an easy ticket because New Orleans fans love their team and they don't want to sell their tickets. And if they do sell their tickets, they know who's buying them. That would be Raiders fans. So we'll keep an eye on that game there too. So I got no problem. Bye week. You come out of the bye week and you get Houston. You're at New Orleans, then at Jacksonville, depending on if the Raiders stay on the East Coast and move over to that region instead of coming back to Vegas, wink, wink. So that'll be something interesting to see. But you got to win all three of those games, I believe. You got to. And two two out of three of them are on the road. If those games weren't on the road, and you had New Orleans at home, and Jacksonville at home, and Houston at home, I think you're pretty confident you're going to win all those games. (laughs) League, League puts two out of three of them on the road. Okay. Let's say the Raiders win two out of three of them. Let's say they beat Houston, they lose at New Orleans, and win at Jacksonville. Or they beat Houston, win at New Orleans, lose at Jacksonville. I don't think they'll lose at Jacksonville, but that's where I'm going. 
Now, here comes the gauntlet. The gauntlet begins in week 10, Indianapolis at home. Well, Raiders knocked Indianapolis out of the playoffs last year. Knocked them out. After that, they lost to Jacksonville. I think the Raiders on their four-game run, the great Hunter Renfro catch, knee down, the field goal, we remember that game. Carr was magnificent with a couple of touch throws in that game, and Carson Wentz basically got kicked out of Indy for that loss. Raiders have to win that game at home, 105 Pacific start. After that, the Raiders go to Denver to take on the Broncos. I really got nothing to add there. I don't know how good the Broncos are going to be with Russell Wilson, uh, but the Raiders fired Vic Fangio because they won the last four in a row, including two at Denver. Uh, That's part of week 11 in that coverage. Raiders need to win that game. Then they're at the Seahawks. That's another game I have circled as a win because Seattle doesn't have a quarterback right now. They could have Baker Mayfield by the time that game comes around or someone else. It's a very hostile environment to play, very hostile. Bleeping hostile. I don't care if it's a preseason game. Raiders got to win at the Seahawks. They're in a rebuild. And then week 13, the Chargers come after opening up with the Chargers in L.A. That's a long way from week one to week 13. Now, this is what I wanted to dive into today. This is the make-or-break game of the season for me. At this point in time, the Raiders are either going to be struggling to be a playoff team or be right there on the border of being a playoff team. They get the Chargers at home to kick off the month of December. Got to win that game. Okay, it could be a split if you don't win at L.A., beating the Chargers, or you could be going for the Chargers sweep. It's a huge game. We saw what the last game of the season was like last year. It was arguably the greatest regular season game of all time. Week 13 could be the biggest game of the year. Then, thank you, Roger Goodell and the league. They play the Chargers at home on the 4th, and then they got to play four days later, less than four days, at the Rams. Super Bowl champs. Only think the spin out of that is Raider fans will buy a block of tickets. It'll probably be 50-50 Raider fans or 60-40 Raider fans over the Rams. But you're out of your mind and nuts to circle that game as a win. Those are the world champs. They got better. They're a hell of a team. That is an albatross of a game. So depending on what happens in that game, the Raiders have another bye week because they play on Thursday, and then they don't play to the following Sunday, which they have the whole Friday weekend off, and then they play the last game the following week, Sunday at home, the only primetime game of the year at home against New England. By then, you'll know everything. By then, it'll be joyous. The Raiders are going to be in the playoffs. You feel good about it. Or the Raiders are going to have to run the table to get into the playoffs. I see the same thing as last year. It's going to be very similar to that. They're going to have to really put their head down and win that game. So as I pause here, not for a glass of water, but to catch my breath, that game is, is huge because of the connection with Belichick to McDaniels and Ziegler. We all know that. The Raiders get it at home. But how in the hell did the league only give the Raiders one primetime game? As a season ticket holder, I feel vastly disrespected that that's the only game of the year in primetime at home. It makes no sense to me. Two years ago on primetime, the Raiders opened up the stadium and beat Drew Brees. The following year, Sunday night, overtime win over Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And they make us wait till December 18th for that game there, which could be flexed out of, hate to tell you, 
could be flexed out of if the Raiders are not in the playoffs and don't look like they will be, or New England doesn't look to be a playoff team. I doubt they'll flex out of it now because it's the only primetime game that the Raiders had. Then at Pittsburgh, the following week, which is a short week, it's a Saturday game. By then, I'm hoping that Pittsburgh's eliminated from the playoffs. They don't have a quarterback yet. It's Mitchell Trubisky or it's Kenny Pickens. I don't think the Steelers are going to contend for the playoffs. So by week 16, I hope they're out of it. The Raiders are in it. Can't guarantee it. The Raiders win that game in Pittsburgh. And the Raider, Raiders traditionally have been well, done well in Pittsburgh. And then the Niner game at home on New Year's Day. Uh, that game is really big because one or two of the teams, everybody's hoping both teams are in the playoffs. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. But if the Raiders are playing for their lives and they need it, or the Niners are playing for their lives, and I know Niner fans are going to be gobbling up tickets to come into that game, period. They're just going to get into that game if your friends are stupid enough to put their tickets up on any site, if they're dumb enough to do that, those tickets are gone. They're going to the Bay Area. Niner fans are here for New Year's Eve. They're in their colors, and they're in your seat. I would really want to put a wall around that ticket. But again, I can't control that. And then the final game of the year, to be determined. These blankety blanks put the last game of the season at home against Kansas City to be determined which means they don't know what that game's going to be. It could be flexed into the biggest game of the year, biggest game, or one of the two teams could be long out of the playoffs, including the Raiders. And I hope that isn't the case. So that's my analysis of the schedule. Didn't get a chance to do that when it came out on Thursday and when I wasn't here on Friday. And I think uh, when I saw the schedule initially come out, I had about 11 wins, but I didn't know when the schedule was going to be. After the schedule came out, I was deeply disturbed I don't think my 11-win prediction is going to be accurate. The schedule's more difficult because of the travel. So I have them between 10 and 11 wins. I don't think I'm being generous. Those who call me a homer, go ahead and do it. Last year I said 9, and they won 10 and made the playoffs. So what do you think about the schedule, my analysis of the schedule? Let's hear from you, 702-365-9200. And we'll get into James Bradbury. Uh, reaching an agreement with the Eagles, which I was hoping it'd be with the Raiders, but he's staying in the division in the NFC over there. Mike in Staten, Italy. Start us off, Mike. Thanks for calling. What's happening? Hey, JT. Just landed here in Vegas. JT, I'm going to take it the other way. I'm thinking these teams are mad that they're catching the Raiders in the first couple of games. They they brought in two dynamic, a possible offensive player of the year and possible defensive player of the year. With Crosby and Jones on that defensive line and Carr with the stability and Adams, um, I like that they got that first five games, JT. I'm, you know, I'm crazy, but I'm looking for them to go four and one, three and two worst case scenario with their help. I think they're going to be dynamic. Hey, JT, the one thing that, you know, because I'm in New York and I don't get all the Raiders talk that I should, what has the Raiders done uh, after last season's turbulent season with the plays, the off-the-field mm-hmm. thing. Have, have you seen changes on how the, the, the players are going to be, you know, protected or from themselves? Are they, have they really discussed that this offseason? Because I think we that is key for this team. With Crosby as a leader now, with the contract, and Carr as a leader, we, we just need, we don't need any off-the-field distractions again like we had last year. 
What do you got for me on that, JT? Well, Mike, I'm not involved in those meetings. Appreciate the call. I'm not in a meeting finding out what they're doing with security or not. Again, last year, Henry Ruggs, uh, that was a once-in-a-hundred-year scenario in NFL history, the accident that killed Tina Tintor. So when that went down, I'm not going to make any light of it. It was horrific. That happened. Damon Arnett turned out to be a really bad guy. Just a bad guy in general. It was a disastrous pick. And Nate Hobbs had an issue in a, in a parking garage and when he was driving. And I think that Nate Hobbs was read the wrath of God. And he knows that if he makes any mistake, he's gone. And you know, Derek Carr is probably the biggest spiritual leader in the entire league. Max Crosby is sober. And you got to look at that situation just saying, you got to hope that the players make good decisions. Year one, it was COVID. No one could go out. Nightclubs were closed. Strip clubs were closed. Not that these guys go to them. There wasn't, you couldn't get in trouble. You can get in trouble if you go to a house party, if you do something, of course. But I think the culture of the Raiders was good last year with that. It'll be good this year with this. The people in charge, from Mark Davis to the former coach, John Gruden, to the current coach now, Josh McDaniels, all treat it the same way. They take it very seriously. They tell every player what they're expected to do with their behavior. And then they don't hold their hand and drive them home for work and shackle them in their house and say, you're not allowed out. Players make decisions. They got to make good decisions. I'm comfortable that this team will make good decisions. Thanks for the call, Mike. Great to hear from you. Welcome to Vegas. Jared in Vegas on the flagship. What's happening, Jared? Hey, JT. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Um, You know what? My, My take on the schedule is this. I love it. I don't like it. I love Mm -hmm. it. I love the grittiness. I love the, the rigidness of the schedule. I like that it's hard. Who wants easy? Who wants easy street? That ain't us. We'll play you in this parking lot that I'm parked in right now. We will play you in a phone booth. We will play you in your mom's kitchen. I don't give a damn. All right? We're here to play. These are grown-ass men. And to that last caller, no, there ain't anything in place. They're grown-ass men. They make a mistake, they're gone. They know it. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with men. And men, they're not afraid to go play. They're not afraid of travel. They're not afraid of short weeks. They're not afraid of any of this crap. You know what we're going to do? We're going to play the schedule. We're going to play the guys in front of us. And we're going to put out the best lineup every time because that's what I believe this coaching staff is about, to put the best players in the best position to succeed. I can't say that was always the case in the last regime. I didn't believe it. I believe that these guys are doing it because the proof has been there throughout their career. Maybe they're only uh, coordinators, but the proof is there. They put guys in positions to succeed, not guys that are a stretch. So I see this schedule as an opportunity. And, yeah, I think you're right. By, by that Steeler game, by the end of that stretch, we'll be looking at a team that is ready to make the playoffs because we will know. We will know who this team is. And you know why, JT? Because we have taken every and all comers. We ain't scared. We're the Raiders! Nice call. Excellent call, actually. It's a hype video call, and it all sounded good. I agree with all that. The only concern that I had, which I think the schedule makers stuck it to the Raiders, was the short week with the Rams game. The short week with the Rams game uh, going into the primetime game. I'm upset that there's only one primetime game as a fan. And as the host of the pre- and post-game shows in the building all the time, I'd like to see more primetime games. How great were the primetime games? How great's every primetime game been? 
pretty much in Allegiant Stadium. I thought that the league would do more of that with the Raiders. It's an easy way for television ratings and for the league to get those games out there. And as I've talked to people inside and outside the building and Raider fans, I was at Bolitnikoff's for two days. I talked to several fans on this topic. They backloaded the schedule with the Niners and the Patriots. Those games mean nothing unless the Raiders are in playoff contention. Vegas doesn't think the Raiders are going to be in playoff contention. Vegas, with all their algorithms and their gambling, believe the Raiders will be below nine wins. They set the number at eight and a half. The number isn't exploding up to ten. So they're going to be on the fence, possibly, and those games, if they're not where they need to be, won't matter in their home games. So that's the motivation for me. I know how motivated they are. I know this team. I have them in the playoffs. I'm just dipping the show in reality. That you put games on the back end that are so important. Kansas City, the Niners, and the Patriots. And there's a small chance that those games might not matter. The league knew that when they built the schedule. They knew they'd be screwing the Raiders over if the Raiders aren't in playoff contention. So it's easy to say the Raiders are going to be in playoff contention. I agree with that. So do you. But if they're not, wow, those games, those games not being significant would be horrendous. That's why the start of the season is so important. As Mike called in, he liked four and one, three and two, whatever it is. You're going to know everything by the bye week. By the bye week, the Raiders are going to be set up perfectly to navigate the rest of that schedule. If not, then every game is going to feel like a playoff game, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe early in the schedule at the halfway point, every game's a make-or-break game. I'm just telling you what I know for working with this Team 23 going on 24 seasons and studying the schedule and knowing it deeply. It's a tough schedule. They didn't do the Raiders any favors, and we're talking about it today. I think they'll win 10 or 11 games, and I think they'll go to the playoffs, but it's going to be a battle. 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Yeah, we talked last night. We, you know, made the trade where we added the extra fifth round pick, and we thought that was going to give us some, you know, some flexibility. It was either going to give us another swing, you know, in the fifth round, or, or give us some flexibility to, to move around the board. And and so it ended up, you know, we were able to to use that extra pick and have some flexibility to get back into the fourth round. And those are exciting opportunities, you know, when you when you feel like um, you've manufactured, you know, an opportunity to again improve the team or go get a player that you want and overall it was a cool experience it was it was a lot of fun to to get in there and and have an opportunity to to be with Josh and kind of head it up together and um you know make some trades and 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 and, and again add some players that you were excited to add so overall it was cool to um to, to go through it um, we'll improve it but we had a lot of fun that is Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Raiders on all the offseason moves. The Raiders have a really good link on their website at Raiders.com with all of their offseason moves. Moving on from Brian Edwards wasn't a shock to me, but it was a bit of a surprise. I like his size and strength. Reminded me of a young Des Bryant with body type and all of that, but there's only one football. And Devontae Adams is here, and he's going to get most of the footballs. 
Most of them are going to go to him or Hunter Renfro or Waller. So wish him well on the way out. And, you know, I think the picks and what they could have going forward was going to help in the James Bradbury deal. Uh, Bradbury decided today, before June 1st, to sign with the Eagles. So the Eagles really got a hell of a secondary now. The deal will pay him $7.5 million. 7.25 of it is guaranteed and has $2.5 million in upside incentive. So the deal's around $10 million bucks, and he'll go to the Eagles there, and they're pretty good now in the secondary. Slay and Bradbury back there, that's about as good of a backfield as you'll find in football, period. So this is a big move. I was hoping that the Raiders would get him. I didn't think it was a lock, but I thought that that was going to be the fit with Graham as the defensive coordinator knowing him, playing out west here, maybe on a short-term deal he chose to play with the Eagles. So is that one that got away? I don't know. I don't know how close Dave Ziegler got in this deal, in this potential trade, and what it would take to do it, but it cost a lot of money. And maybe they'll be able to get Bradbury next year. Next year when he's going into free agency again because it's a one-year contract after this move with the Giants letting him go, maybe the Raiders will be able to pay for him then. I have no idea, but I thought it was a good fit. 702-365-9200. Today's my first day to go over the Raiders' schedule. I'd like to hear from everyone today who can get through, who has season tickets, and what you think of the schedule, the good, bad, or the ugly. 702-365-9200. Cisco from the Black Hole checking in. What's happening, my friend? Hey, JT. Always good to hear from you, man. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, just, uh, hey, you know what, man, talking about the schedule and, you know, what we went through with the uh, Bears game and a couple other games, man, where we were outnumbered. Raider Nation, some of them really, you know, sold out, man. Sold their tickets to opposing fans. So um, I'm calling on the Raider Nation right now, man. Stop blowing the whistle. Leave whistleblowers. You know any people that sit near you that are season ticket holders and they're selling them to other fans? Man, start calling them out. Let's get the nation on top of this, man. Let's make that the black hole, the death star, make it black again, man. Raider fans, unite. Let's get this going, man. It's embarrassing having opposing fans, especially being from the Bay Area and my hatred for the 49ers living. Uh, phone's breaking up, Cisco. Let me jump in. I appreciate the call. Phone's breaking up. Uh, no, he's right. I, I mean, I don't know what to do. I know the Golden Knights kept an eye on that, and the Golden Knights, and I know the Raiders, and every, I know everybody in the Raiders on the ticket side, and they're good people over there. They work their tail off. And for those who bought the tickets and are brokers or are looking to sell them or want to be Raider fans, they should be called out for that. Anybody can do what they want in a free market economy. I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't know what's going on in your house. I don't know if you're unemployed, in between jobs, paying for college, but... If, if you're going to sell all the home games to opposing fans, you shouldn't have the tickets. I really don't. And, and there are rules within organizations on who owns tickets and what the team can do about it. And I thought it was good last year. Of course I knew there were fans, Bears and Eagles fans. Of course I knew about that. And when, it gets louder when the team's losing. But I look at it differently than I looked at it in Oakland. Oakland was the home of the Oakland Raiders. Las Vegas is the home of the Las Vegas Raiders, but we're the entertainment capital of the world. We have a lot of conventions here, a lot of huge money. I'm talking hundreds of millions of dollars are built into months with conventions. And people come out, and some of the people say, hey, we have a convention. We got 30 of our clients in town. Let's buy 30 tickets to a Raider game, no matter what it costs. 
go online and get them, and they buy them, and fans go in there. When you, when you actively sell them to another team, like you know a Niner fan is blowing you up right now, blowing you up that they want those tickets. Like my cousin and my, my cousin, who's like my blood, and one of my best friends was in my wedding, they came out, they're diehard New York Giant fans, they came out for the Dolphin game. They wore black, they hung out there, they rooted for the Raiders, they sat in my seats. I wasn't going to sell tickets to a Dolphin fan, never. But I can't control what other people do. And this schedule has a lot of that going on. That's why it's such a big topic today. 702-365-9200. want to hear from you. The reason why it's a big topic is because these are teams that want to come in badly. The Patriots have built their brand only over 20 years. They didn't have a brand for their entire time in the league. No one cared about the Patriots. They had one good team, Steve Grogan, Sugar Bear Hamilton before that. They weren't relevant. Now they are. Now they have a global fan base because they've won six Super Bowls. They'll come. They'll come to Vegas, and I welcome them to come to Vegas. I just don't think it should be easy for them to get a ticket. And the Niner fans, you know, the Niner fans are feeling their oats here. They're feeling pretty good about themselves because they took over L.A. Stadium. They took over L.A. Stadium, and that team went on to win the Super Bowl. Right, the Rams won the Super Bowl, and the Niners had more fans than Ram fans in their regular season game. And fans were really triggered about that in L.A. And L.A.'s home of the Raiders, not home of the Niners. So Niner fans are trying to get tickets now, and if they get them, I can't do anything about it. But you shouldn't make it easy for them. 702-365-9200, because it's very easy very easy to go online and get tickets to any game you want. Very easy if you have the money to pay for it. Now with the economy, the stock market, let me double check today. Stock market today down 1,200 points. 1,200 points. That's massive. Okay, a lot of people are looking at the market and going, oh, my God, my 401K is down 15%, 10% this year. I need money. I'm going to sell my tickets. I don't know what to tell you. I cannot get involved with someone else's checkbook, nor will I. I don't get involved with Derek Carr's money. I'm not going to get involved with your money. But Raider fans know what I'm talking about. This schedule is dicey because if the schedule doesn't play to the Raiders early, there's a lot of games on the back end where some fans will be prone and motivated to make some money back. If the Raiders are 7-3, and three, you know, 9-4, and four, everything's perfect. Every Raider fan's going to want to go, and more Raider fans are going to want to buy tickets to come in. So that's what's important with the schedule. Start fast, start fast, or this thing gets complicated, and the pressure could be on this team in week seven or eight to get back into the hunt. That's all I'm bringing up today. Want your opinion, 702-365-9200, as we're brought to you by Doghouse Saloon. My mom and dad are in town next week for my dad's birthday, my son's birthday. We're heading out to Resorts World. My mom can't wait to get a rewards card and sit in front of the slots. We'll do that, and my dad and I will go to eight cigar lounge and have a cigar and reminisce with my new 21-year-old son, who will be able to come in, too, and have a cocktail with us. Excited about that.
Phil Mickelson has been a legend of our game for the last 30 years, and I certainly don't think he should be shut out of the game. You know, he said some bad things and offended some people, but I don't think that that makes it right to completely shut him out of the game of golf. I mean, yeah. he's. I think he'll be welcome back, and I think a lot of players will be happy to see him back, but that'll all be in his own time and, and wherever he decides to show up again. That's Roy McElroy as the PGA Championship is going to get underway tomorrow. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Modelo. I drink a bucket of Modelo's on the weekend. I'll have some Modelo's with Coach Ditka. I'll be out with Mike Ditka for Gridiron Greats tomorrow and Friday. Some big names getting inducted into the Gridiron Greats Hall of Fame, including Warwick Dunn. What a player he was, the great running back. Also, Jack Youngblood in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's getting in. A lot of Marv Levy, the great coach, the Hall of Famer from the Buffalo Bills. He'll be presenting his award to Ron Rivera, the head coach now of the Washington Commanders and a great friend of the Raider Nation. Remember, Ron Rivera came to the John Madden tribute up in Oakland, so I can't wait to see him again along with six or seven more players. So that'll be my weekend, and we'll be back on Monday. We're talking today about the Raiders' schedule, 702-365-9200. If you have any opinion on the schedule, good, bad, or ugly, put it in that category, good, bad, or ugly. I think the good is the winnable games, multiple in the middle of the schedule. I think the bad is the beginning of the schedule is really hard, and I think the ugly could be the back, back, back end if those games don't matter. That's if things don't go right. If things go well, I think they'll win 10 or 11 games. We won't have to have this conversation, but you better believe we're having it today, and we're going to have it in the preseason because we all agree that the NFL did the Raiders no favorites. Tiger Woods usually never says anything. He doesn't. Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan, they don't say a word because they're in the business of doing other things. Well, we got sound from Tiger Woods, which is pretty incredible because Tiger knows that Phil Mickelson put himself in a really bad situation. See, Greg Norman had an idea of a super league to break away from the PGA Tour to go play golf in Saudi Arabia because the Saudis have unlimited money. So they can pay someone $4 million or $6 million to win a tournament where it would be a million on the PGA Tour. Unlimited money. And even if you lose, even if you just show up, they'll guarantee a million bucks. So a lot of players are interested in this. Because you can make a lot of money. And we found out this week that Jack Nicklaus, the greatest golfer of all time, he was offered $100 million to be involved with this Saudi golf league. And he turned it down because he helped build the PGA Tour. Tiger went on the record at the PGA Championship in his mandatory media day to talk about Phil Mickelson and their different ideas. It's always disappointing when the defending champion's not here. Phil is, has said some things that I think a, a lot of us who are committed to the tour and committed to the, the legacy of the tour have pushed back against. And um, he's taken some personal time. And uh, we all understand that. But I think that some of his views on how the tour could be run and should be run, been a lot of disagreement there. But as, 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 as we all know, as a professional, we miss him being out here. I mean, he's a big draw for the game of golf. He's just taking his time, and, um, you know, we, we all wish him the best when he comes back. Obviously, we're going to have difference of opinions that how he sees the tour, and um, we'll go from there. 
See, I think Tiger's covering up something big. I think Phil could be suspended as we speak because there's no way Phil, there's no chance that Phil would miss the PGA Championship and defend his title. It's one of the biggest wins of his careers. Unless he's being told not to be there, he's being told not to be there. I don't know why he's not there. It makes no sense to me. More on Tiger Woods on Phil's comments polarizing the PGA and the world of golf. It has ramped up very quickly. If this would have happened 30 years ago, 20 years ago, it wouldn't have happened as fast. But social media has changed the landscape and how fast things can ramp up, whether it's real news or fake news or whatever it is. Opinions get out there instantly, and it can sway very quickly one way or the other. What we're seeing right now in a society, it's very bipolar. There's really no middle ground. You stand one way or the other, and it's um, very polarizing. And the viewpoints that, that Phil has made you know, with the tour and what the tour has meant to all of us has been polarizing as well. You know, Bobby, play the last one on the fact that he hasn't spoke to Phil about this. I mean, Tiger Woods is the greatest name, arguably, in the history of golf. We always say that with Jack Nicklaus. And Phil's biggest rivalry was Tiger. This is a big hit to Phil's legacy, and they haven't even had a conversation. I have not reached out to him. I've not spoken to him. A lot of it has not to do with, I think, personal issues. It was, it was our viewpoints of how the tour uh, should be run and could be run and what players are, are playing for and how we're playing for it. I have a completely different stance on that. He has a completely different stance than Phil, and he's much more important than Phil. Really, what's the lesson to be learned about all this? Every once in a while, athletes in sports want to go rogue. They want to go out and break off and try something new and have other people join them. Well, you got to be careful because if it backfires, you could be Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson makes 40 to $80 million in endorsements. We're talking yearly. And a lot of those endorsements went away because of his comments about the Saudi government and all the issues that they have with human rights violations. I've said this before. Any country that has massive violations of rights, we should not. I'm not saying we can't negotiate with them. And we can't do business with them. We're going to do trillions of business with, with China way past our lifetimes together. We don't have to play sports with them. We don't have to go to the Olympics. They don't have to go to our Olympics. We don't have to play NBA games in China. We don't have to play soccer there. We don't have to do it. It's a sport. And this is a sport now that could take down Phil Mickelson's legacy. Because he said something stupid. Not the fact that he wanted to make more money and he didn't like the way the PGA Tour was being run. And he likes what they're doing with this new league. Greg Norman sucked him into it. Greg Norman's a legend. But you've got to read the room better. And the room says that we're not doing business with the Saudi government with anything that has to do with sports. We'll have to compete in the World Cup. We'll have to compete in and around that region. But this was a pretty bad idea. Really bad idea if you were on the wrong side of this. Wanted to get that in. Uh, Tiger Woods, I just hope Tiger makes the cut. He's excited, but he doesn't play a lot of golf anymore. But he knows this course well. PGA Championship, a huge topic this weekend. Albert Hall will join us at the top of the hour on the NBA Summer League. And we'll get back to the Raiders' schedule, hearing from Raiders season ticket holders and other fans.